whether the identity crisis that European Americans experienced on their deconstruction, you have to give them a new identity that yeah. is pro-human rather than white supremacy. Yes. And that starts with you believing you're human yourself yes. because you can't lead somebody where you haven't been. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Dig News Streams podcast. I'm your host, Dave Capozzi. This week, I welcome back my friend who has now officially become a regular on the podcast, Kokai Nosekere. Kokai is an anti-racism, pro-humanity educator who day in and day out talks about the ways in which white supremacy culture is alive and well within our bodies and within the racial caste system we live in. He has written four books, when and Where We Feel Safe, Beyond the Epiphany, The Paradox of Guidance, and his newest book, For Your Benefit, How to Build a Racial Trauma Center, which is available for purchase now. I would also suggest signing up for his newsletter, which you can access by emailing him. I'll put his email address in the show notes. If you want to keep up with the podcast, please subscribe to whatever platform you're using to listen right now, and you can find a consistent conversation happening over on TikTok if you search for my name, Dave Capozzi, and on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram at Dig New Streams Podcast. Without further ado, my conversation with Kokai Nosakere. Are you organizing against yourself? That's what the crash is. That's it. Okay. Um, quick story. I'm going to try and say this in 30 seconds. <laughs> I remember being in college and I worked in an after school program in Anchorage, Alaska. For those who don't know, Alaska is the indigenous name for Alaska. Um, in the neighborhood that birthed me and raised me, Fairview. Okay. And because Fairview is one of the poor sections. You have everybody there who's poor, and it's one of the most multicultural cities in the country. So you have all these poor multiculturals in Fairview, and then you have poor whites. Mm. Okay? One of the poor white families that we served, the mother comes walking up to me because the children just adored me, right? Um, comes walking up to me, arms folded one time, and I'm in between classes, and this is on 36 and Lake Otis at Kinko's. I just, I, man, I can tell, I can see this plain as day. I am 21 years old, fresh from the Million Man March, right? Mm. She walks up to me and says, Kokai, just like that. She's spitting my name out. Oh, okay, well, what was that? You went to Fairview, didn't you? Yeah, all five, uh, six years. Uh, kindergarten through seven years. Yes, kindergarten through sixth grade. Graduated. Yep, wonderful place. And she goes, did they have multicultural assemblies when you were small? I go, oh, wow, they're still doing that? Yeah. I didn't know they still needed to do that. Right? <laughs> okay, so she goes, yes, they had one, and I don't like it. Wait a minute, you don't like a multicultural assembly? Because I remember, I know what she's talking about, okay? Mm. Right? And she goes, no, because it taught my children a difference. Bruh, it took me 20 years to understand what she meant. Mm. 20 years. Here's what she meant. When school started and there were announcements, 
her child, as well as all the other multiculturals. Listen to the announcement. They all did the Pledge of Allegiance together. They all did the school song together. When curriculum started, the, the teacher was the same for all 35 or 25 to 35 students. Okay, the, the, the lesson was the same. The books were the same. When they went to lunch, they all ate the same lunch in the same lunch room. They all went to recess together. They all went to PE together. They did all these things together. Mm. Then they had the multicultural assembly. And the multicultural assembly is take all the children games and play them in front of everyone. Yeah. So the Filipino children came out with their bamboo sticks. And the white children for the first time, see this game that they had never been exposed to. Yeah, yeah. Then the black children come out with two jump ropes and start doing double judge. Mm. And they see a skill level that they have never experienced before. Like, wait a minute, when do you guys do this? Yeah. The native children came out with their yo-yos and their group, their games. The Korean children came out with their games. So the all the other cultures actually displayed their cultures at the assembly mm. and the white children are dumbfounded because they're like so wait a minute you guys come to school and then you leave school and go back to your cultures and that's what the mother was complaining about you showed my child a difference between them and everybody else we thought that everyone was having the same experience, <laughs> not that they were leaving being Latino to go to a white space, leaving being black to go to a white space, leaving being native to go to a white space. What do you mean that there's something called white space? I thought everybody was just being human. <laughs> it feels like all the multicultural children and parents are lying to me. Yeah. Yep. What do I do? Right. And we go, um, you do get the power differentials that are occurring. And they go, no, I don't have any power. I'm yeah. poor. There and that's is. because they don't have any power against the rich white person. So they think that all of us don't have power against the rich white person. We have to do what they say. And the violence of the rich white person is going to visit everyone. So that is until the rich white person gives the white poor white person the bone of whiteness. Mm. Okay, so once they receive the shelter and the safety of being seen as human from the rich white person who cannot see the multiculturals as human, the poor white person now is absolutely confused because it's like, wait a minute, you didn't punish me, but you punished my black friend, my native friend, my Latino friend. And now the Latino friend, the Asian friend, the black friend is mad at me. And I can't do anything to you. I'm trapped in the middle. I'm going to get destroyed. Yes. And we're seeing that with the European Jews in America concerning Israel right now. Mm. Say more about that, please. So over the last 51 days, assalamu alaikum to uh, Bissan and to Motes, we are seeing the 
normal coping strategies that European Americans use in order to deal with racial stress not work anymore yeah. because the feed from the ground is showing the Israeli citizens in a light that they cannot control. So on mm. one side, <clears throat> you have the occupying forces and none of American history uh, documents that the populace want to see the violence. Right. Yes. Okay. Right. So even Thomas Jefferson on his on Monticello on his plantation, he hired a slave driver. Here goes Bob Marley. I'm not mad at the slave master. I'm mad at the slave driver. Hires a slave driver to do all the dirty work so he doesn't have to see the violence. Mm. I don't want to participate in seeing the violence. I know it's happening, but I, to maintain my mental health, cannot see it. So with the 50 days of seeing the violence, no matter what, against your will, and if not being able to isolate and say, I just won't watch it. You're seeing black, brown, indigenous persons of color react to seeing the violence. Yeah. So now you're receiving, now the black people are acting and you can't use your whiteness to shut down them talking about. Yeah. In fact, when you go to try and protect yourself with the normal coping strategies of saying, I want you to respect my boundaries. Now you're landing as a white supremacist. You're looking like the Israeli citizens 40 miles from Gaza who are walking around as if nothing is happening for the last mm. 50 days. Mm. So now you look like, so now the Israeli average citizen who's just trying to, I can barely hold it together. They're looking like they're complicit, that they're okay with it. No different yeah. than the average German citizen who's trying to survive the Third White Reich. But because we don't see them actively resisting evil orders because they're doing everything within their power to not go insane, to see, oh my God, the people around me, they want to do this violence against the Jewish people and I can't stop it. So when you are sitting up there saying, I can't stop it, you're hiding in whiteness. Yeah, You're hiding as a German citizen. And they're sitting up there trying to argue, I'm just trying to survive like you're trying to survive. No, you're not. And that's where I'm starting to see yeah. the impotence and apathy swirl because I'm caught in the middle and I can't stop the, the violence from the rich people. And I can't join with the persons who are being oppressed by the violence. So what do I do? Wow. Okay. So, and, and you, if you isolate, then again, you look complicit. Yes. So now you're saying, wait a minute. So now you just want me to be crushed by them instead of you, they're going to kill me too. Yeah. So we go, but you're driving their car. Right. You're still acting like a yeah. chauffeur. You're still serving them at the gas station. You're still yeah. serving them at the grocery store. You're still uh, going out and billing them for electricity. When are you going to protest by not following evil orders and doing a workshop stoppage? Yeah. They're just going to make me homeless. Right. So right. now, every excuse that you give me lets me know that you like the benefits yeah. of whiteness. You yeah. just don't, you want to be able to externalize all the things that allow you to have food, clothing, and shelter. Exactly. That's so, that's so on point. It is this, like, you can't live, I think, as a human being and not experience the discomfort that comes with seeing injustice. And so you do, you know, this happens. This happens in every in every 
place in different ways within white evangelical churches. It's, uh, I know there's bad things happening in Haiti or in some African country, so we need to go over there and feed the poor. Like, you know, something's bad. You want to do something about it. And then you're dis, then you're uncomfortable, but that discomfort is not something that is, um, your own oppression. It's, it's an, it's a discomfort with, I experience pleasure and comfort. And I know many people don't. It's, it's not enough to move you to join in solidarity. It's just Correct. enough to motivate you to feel uncomfortable and to throw some money at something, maybe. This is why I think in organizing, in community organizing, at least in my own experience, there has always been this invitation to why are you here? And not just like, oh, my faith tells me to. What is it about your own humanity, that, that, that feeling that thing that drives you to be in this space, to stand in solidarity. What, why are you here? It's self-interest. What motivates you to be part of this? That question is not always posed to white-bodied individuals because our experience is we have no idea. We have no idea of like, well, I have a different culture when I leave this space. I have a right. different experience. We have no concept of that. Correct. Because when you go home, it's still white space. Mm -hmm. It never stops being white space. Right. So now it's okay. So <clears throat> it is the indirect effect of the oppression that the European American is finding out. That's what. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Yeah. What are you waking up to? Yeah. Okay. Um, mm. How do I say this? Because <laughs> uh, it's like I can see the sister on TikTok. Trying to explain racism to a white person is like trying to explain physics to a toddler, and the toddler is Caillou. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen that one. It's so good. Right. Okay. Oh, it's so good. So, okay, so to borrow your analogy about black Jesus and white Jesus and how black Jesus doesn't know who white Jesus is. Right. We'll use the same words like Shazam. And mm. Billy Batson is making reference to Greek gods, but Tech Adam is making reference to um, Egyptian gods. Mm. But the person who's reading the book doesn't know that either the wizard has done that. That's good. Okay. They don't know the wizard has done that. So the wizard, is, the, the name of the wizard, Shazam, is giving them power, but it's power from within them. Yeah what their ancestral line is, sort of like mm. the Wizard of Oz. Right. So now, when your power is coming from your ancestors that you view as psychopaths, do you feel that that is real power? Okay. So the effect of the oppressed is that we know every white person, I mean, I can see Michael Harriet because he says that when you study black history, you're not studying, you're studying just black history. But if you want to understand racism, you got to study white people. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So right. that, that's that thing. So that's now <clears throat> you're studying white people and you find out that they were able to achieve this state of mind called white racial innocence. Yeah. Yep. Okay. They can view a black body and not see a human being. Mm -hmm. Now, when a young European American hears that, they glitch. Yes. That's not true. Thomas right. Jefferson could see the enslaved people as human beings, and then he chose to cheat, treat them as livestock. Mm. No. Right. 
he could treat them like livestock because he never saw them as human beings. And now that takes all hope out of the white body's mind, white body person's mind, because they're like, so you don't believe I see you as a human being, but I'm talking to you right now. Mm -hmm. And we go, you want to take an implicit bias test? (laughs) And they go, I'm scared. What are you scared of? (laughs) I'm scared you're right. I know you're right. Boom. Yeah. So you want me now to talk to you and interact with you as if I know that you don't know that as soon as I choose to stop playing this game of whiteness, you have no power. That's the the triggers that come from what Dr. Robin D'Angelo made popular through her book, White Fragility. Right. Okay. So what's, what's one of the triggers that create racial stress? The black body person sitting up there saying, you know, you can't use logic to get rid of racism. Yeah. How are you going to no. logically bring yourself to the space through using logic, using your intellect alone of seeing me as a human being? Exactly. Exactly. We know this on a very intimate level. Anyone who's done any, uh, spent any time in therapy knows that you can analyze all of the things that have happened in your life. And it doesn't mean shit when it comes to healing. Yes. Right. Yes. You can do all the, the, yeah, I know. I know that when this happened, when I was a kid, that's why I act this way. What the fuck do I do about it? Correct. How do I change my internal reactions to these particular triggers? Exactly. So now, when the white person wakes up that black people see them as their trigger. Wait a minute. So you don't even see me as a, as my name is Dave. You don't even see Dave. You just see a white man. And we right. go, yeah, just yeah. like all you see is a black body. That's not true. Yeah, right, right. It can't be true. You're trapping me, see? And then Muscles in Nursing says the oppressed can become bullies. <laughs> Why? Because now the cognitive dissonance isn't being soothed and placated. Mm. I know you see me. I know you have more empathy for your dog than you do for me. And then when you have that experience, now you feel persecuted because you feel anxiety in your body by my awareness. Mm. Okay? By my awareness. So there's an origin story of like how European Americans got to this space and it's called the casual killing act of 1669 for those who are listening please google that that legislation it's in Virginia it was borrowed from England so what was going on is white men had quote unquote two families that they said and this is their rationalization right they have a black family and a white family what Mm. does that mean Mm. that means that the white wife now has no leverage like a British wife to manipulate, control, or limit the oppression coming from their husbands through withholding sex. I'm sorry, this is this is this is, that's just the reality of yeah. 1669. Yeah. Okay. Yep. When they can go and relieve themselves by raping black women, Jesus. you don't have any you don't have any power on that front. Okay. So now you have all these biracial children that are walking around as evidence of you don't have any power as a white woman. So what do you do? Every time they see you as white, the child, which means 
They know that you can be violent toward them and there's nothing they can do about it. Mm. The child is going to act like a child that's being abused. Yeah. What does that mean? Trauma response. <laughs> and that becomes the trigger to kill the child. God. Okay. So now the casual killing act is after the child is accidentally murdered during punishment or correction. This is in the law. They are now taken away, buried, and the white woman is given a child as if they didn't just murder the last child. So now, the cognitive dissonance is now embedded in society because all the other white body people are being forced by the legislation to treat the white woman as if nothing happened. That's psychopathic. Mm. Okay, that's psychopathic. Yes. And now the quote unquote house um, enslaved person, my ancestors, have to now teach their children you can't jump. I know you're scared, but you can't. If you give a trauma response, if yeah. you act like a human being, then you're going to get murdered. So now you've got now six generations of black people under enslavement who are taught by as a survival technique to walk around stressed all the time and to keep hiya, yes, yes, how you doing? Yeah, no harm, nah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because as soon as the white person becomes upset, you're dead. So now if I don't if so now the white person believes they've been treated like a human being all their lives, while the black person has been treating them like a white person all the days of their lives. So as soon as we now go to try and treat the white person as a human being and say, you can change your behavior just like everybody else can change their behavior, that's when the white person says, are you going to murder me? Because they're not responding with, they're acting like there should be a trauma response to the presence of the white person. Are you going to hurt me? You're aware that you're enslaved. How are you going to murder me? So that anxiety is going on. No different than after a lynching. There's rumor hmm. that after Rosa Parks' father was lynched, yeah. that the people who lynched him came the very next day and brought their laundry to her mother as if they didn't just do that. Whoa. Right. That's rumor. Yeah, right. Of course. <laughs> right. It's a, yeah. Right. So what do you do if you live in a white body and yeah. you learn, you wake up to the idea that black people do not agree that you, not those white people over there, you can see them as a human being, even as you're interacting with the black person. How do you prove to the black person that you can see them as a human being? When Serena Williams had to had to save her own life on the labor and delivery uh, table. Yeah. Her white husband didn't know to advocate for her. Right. The he's melting down to the idea that the nurses are not respecting the fact that Serena Williams feels pain. What do you do? Right. This is she this is ultimately the question. Correct. The, yeah. Go. Yeah. The thing that prevents us from going, for, you know, your work about of uh, encouraging racial trauma centers for white-bodied individuals is for white-bodied individuals to reckon with this very thing. Yes. Yes. 
So what are you going to do? What do we yeah. do? What do you do? And we sit there and say, according to epigenetics, according to therapy, according to what we know about neurological science, you're having a trauma response every time you lash out in defense. Yeah. What do you mean I can't think logically? You are thinking like a white person. No, right. I'm thinking like a human being. Right. Sir, we have deferred to you. We have like said yes to you to survive you all your life. You think like a white person. You yeah. think as if race and the the violence of that white person over there is not affecting your interactions with me. Right. So you're not thinking objectively. I, what? Now you're feeling stress because you're connected to the group. Okay. So now you're lashing out at me. Now you can't lash out at me. So what are you going to do? You're going to lash out at yourself. Mm. Okay. So we now want you to grieve your sense of loss so that you open up to choice. Because right now you're lashing out trying to hold on to whiteness instead of let it go so that you can open up your hand to greater humanity. Mm. And that is so painful. One white woman told me, I'm scared that if I start grieving, I'll never stop. I say, yes, because you're not grieving for yourself. You're grieving for your grandparents. Oh, man. You know, uh, brother, uh, man, um, man, I just said a word that actually is very uncomfortable to say because of this. One time you, you texted me, brother. And it's one of those things that anytime a black person says that to me, it's like, I, I don't know what to do with it, right? you know, because, um, it feels like, how can I, you know, it's also like when one of my black friends will send me like the fist, you know, like the black fist, like solidarity, kind of like power thing. I'm like, I, I don't know what to do with that, <laughs> you know, like, but that for me is a question I hope I never am uncomfortable with. Right. Right. Because if I'm so comfortable calling another black person brother or sister or throwing my hand up like that with a what that to me, that that lack of of question, like, is this OK, um, would mean that I'm all too comfortable in my whiteness, acting like I'm in solidarity or have a shared experience. Right. Oh. And you, you know what? Um, this comes to mind for me. And I literally was in the process of making this video earlier today that the um the sermon on the plane that Jesus gives in Luke 6 yes. where he where he says blessed are the poor poor blessed are the meek blessed are the poor for you will um you know you'll get comfort blessed are the meek because you're going to inherit the earth blessed are those who are weeping because you'll laugh and then he goes on to say woe to you who experience comfort now because you've got all of it you've experienced all of it that that juxtaposition and that i am the guy that experienced the comfort now in this life i can't understand the experience of the poor person like that that gift of no you're you're going to experience the comfort what whiteness has done to those texts is say to us as white evangelicals this is an attitude you need to take on of humility and meekness and and be joyful in persecution and when that is what we do is because we can't understand the experience of people who are oppressed, we co-opt and we spiritualize or we, we always appropriate. And this thing that you're talking about, I think this is one of the most important episodes I will ever have recorded. That thing that you just described, that experience is something every one of us that are white 
need to reckon with in order to have any chance of of dismantling this thing that we call white supremacy culture. Yes, because it's very seductive. Yeah, absolutely. To cheer for the sufferers, we're looking at mm. the 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 Palestinian children demonstrate the power of Islam, al-Islam, by doing exactly what Isa taught. Rejoice mm. and be exceedingly glad, mm. for great is your reward. Yeah. So now here, the oppressed has put you in prison, and you come out like Mumur Abu Jamal, and you are still smiling. What manner of man is this? Wait a minute. We threw our worst at them. Yes. And they're smiling. We can't crush them. We we can't. We we did everything that we thought would hurt us, and it doesn't seem to be hurting them. Mm. That was the whole thing behind the Montgomery bus boycott. The black community was prepared for the violence that the white community was giving them. And it was the white community that was absolutely amazing. Wait a minute. You did you expected this? Mm. How do you see us? You, I don't see you the way that you see you. So now, um, oh. the first time that there was a mass arrest of the leadership of the Montgomery bus boycott, there was 115 persons who were brought down to be fingerprinted. Okay. Hmm. After the first, the, after the initial leaders, the first fifteen get there joyously, right? Because we're now going to practice our spirituality, practice what we were taught by Jesus. We show up with Black Jesus backing us up because He knows how it feels to be lynched. Yes. And they willingly say, "Okay, I'm here to get fingerprinted." And the white people are like, "Wait a minute, what?" <laughs> Hold on. You know what? You're moving too slow. Can I do it myself? Now that you showed me with this pinky and this pinky, can I do it myself? Okay. Mm. In fact, give me the sheet of paper. I know half these people right here. Let me give them a phone call. Can I borrow your phone? They made a party out of it. Wow. By the time you get 30, 35 black people who are now singing and praying and the white people are now walking around terrified. They're okay. literally shaking as they're writing. I mean, they're, they're terrified of what's going on. And the black people are like, wow, they're scared. <laughs> Can you imagine that? They're scared. You lynched my papa. Mm. But now you're scared. Mm. Why it, are you scared? Because they're singing on the shores of Babylon. That's the most terrifying thing to an oppressor. Yes. Yeah. So now when your power was, you, <laughs> what, what did the, the man from Galilee said after he got whipped? You have no power over me unless it comes from above. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So now I know I don't have that because it's flowing through you right now. Mm. So what do I do? I feel vulnerable. Now, like muscles in nursing, the oppressed can be bullies. Right. Right. Now, somehow you have the power of the state. You never stop having the power of the state in your hand. Correct. No, I don't have the power of the state in my hand. Can you call 911 and get me killed? Yes, but you can call 911 too and get me killed. Huh? If I call 911, I get myself killed. If yep. you call 911, yep. you get me killed. 911 means I get killed. Yeah. Okay, well, what if I promise to never call 911? Bruh. Here's, here's what's on the table. 
okay? And they go, what? White, you're a part of the oppressor class against your will, which means at no time are you not a threat. Right. How do you put down what other white people are going to react to you? You can't tell me that you're not going to do it because the question on the table is when do you use whiteness to hide? Mm. When do you use whiteness to, for safety? So it's sort of like uh, my European um, Jewish friends right now, okay? Yeah. Who are like, please stop calling me white because I know the white people want to hurt me. So when you call me white in Israel, that hurts because I know you see, I know what whiteness means in your mind, right? And you know what it means in your mind. In your mind, it means psychopath. So now you're mad that I'm calling you a psychopath, which means that there is, I don't expect you to agree with me. Right. You're never going to agree with me. Yeah. You can't agree with me because now that means that you believe you, you have to consent to being an oppressor, that you can't pick up 911 and put down 911. I just put it down. I won't ever call 911. Do we have common ground now? No, because mm-hmm. you have to take the rock out of every other white body's person's hands around you. Yeah. How do I do that? By holding their hand. Yeah. If they're holding your hand, they're not holding a rock. Oof. But, but that means... I have to see myself in Marjorie Taylor Greene. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And yes. that becomes the, the hard part. No, that that is the hard part because the, the immediate your the immediate move is to distance yourself from a you don't you, like you always say you're an oppressor against your will. Your immediate move is I'm not that, and I want you to see that I'm a good one. I'm and so any white person listening to this who has had an experience where they have like black friends who will share their actual experience with you, who who will not just like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. You like they'll share their experience with you. And then you go into another space where there are black people. You expect them to just know you're that safe white person. Correct. <laughs> right. No, Correct. you're not. You're just not ever. And that, that knowledge is so important. And then, so what we become uncomfortable with, is that reverse thing that you talk about. We're comfortable with knowing that we have implicit bias that um, black people are less than human. We become like, okay, okay, that's fine. What we're not comfortable with is knowing that black people have implicit bias that we are less than human, that we are the people that are their oppressors. We are not quite as comfortable with that. And so what we, the part of the healing, one of the major parts of the healing that we need to do is that embrace of the Marjorie Taylor Greene, the worst version of us that we think, not just them, but also the white liberal who is of this supreme confidence that they are the good one who are fighting for or against the things that we think are bad. Yes. And so then when a audit comes out like Wells Fargo, yeah, okay? right. And it says that 47% of black people only get the, or 43%, something like that, yeah. get a loan. And so then we say, all right, so now the next time that a qualified black person comes across your desk, I want you now to go and put your hand in the hand of the manager and help the manager give this black person the loan. And that's when our European American friend or family member starts crying. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. 
because now they're looking at the manager the way that the black person looks at the manager mm. and that they see a psychopath. There's nothing we can say. They don't want to do it. Yeah. Okay. So now, will you build the solution with us? And that's when they go, but if I betray whiteness, if you guys get mad at me, I don't have a safe place to go to. So I'm not going to do anything and just cheer you enduring the oppression. This is so what's... Oh, go can I t pick up on that real yeah. quick? Real quick. Yeah. This is what is an untruth that we've come to believe that if we do something to upset, that means we're cast out. But in these spaces that you're talking about, if we see the bank teller as the psychopath and we are willing to continually know that we're going to mess up, we are continually embraced. Like there is mercy in a way we've never experienced because we are inhuman in white bodies, the way that whiteness it, our experience of whiteness is that mistakes means cast out from community. Yes. Why? Because you're not in solidarity with whiteness, Dr. D'Angelo and her triggers. Right, right, right. Because if, if the poor, the slave driver was in the same position as the slave master, if there was an insurrection, the black person killed Black Nat Turner killed them all. It mm. didn't matter if you were a white child. It didn't matter. So now that's what, what's going on in Israel. Yeah. You've now created a monster called Hamas, which is now trying to protect Palestinian people from your oppression. So when they push back, oh my God, they want to wipe us from off the face of the earth. And that's when I look at them like, I have no idea why you ever play a Bob Marley song then. What mm. do you think the Rastafarians are praying for? Mm. And they go, I thought it was love and peace. Yeah, Shazam. Mm. Black Jesus knows what it's like. You were saying black yes. Jesus knows what it's like to be lynched. Yes. White Jesus is an all powerful God who forgives you for lynching black Jesus. Right. Reggae is black Jesus. Yes. Okay. So yes. then when you go, they go to sing, they think they're singing white Jesus. When no, we're singing, we want black Jesus to kill white Jesus. And it's called revelations. Please bring Michael and kill white Jesus. <laughs> Babylon's throne, their throne, the imperial throne is gone down, gone down. Babylon's Grown, gone down. Remember, I shot the sheriff. <laughs> Why? Because he said he was going to kill my children. Right. Every time I plant a seed, he says, kill the, it before it grows. Kill them before they grow. Exactly what we're seeing Israel do in Gaza. Kill mm. the babies. So now I got to. I can hear the minister, the messenger now. You might as well commit suicide. Mm. Okay, this is like one of the first Savior's Day that Minister Malcolm X went to. Uh, the messenger was uh, describing a uh, 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 incident that had happened in Boston, where a white man was publicly engaged in pedophilia acts with two young black girls, and the mother, the black mother, was being held back by the white crowd that gathered to watch okay so now what do you do if you're a young white body person and you hear that you don't mm. want nothing to do with that right 
And the fact that there are people now, I got an all eyes matter. This, I, you know, yeah, Genghis Khan, Shaka Zulu. Um, 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 I gotta find another black or brown person who treated the, the Aztecs, uh, right. the Incas, you right. know, they, they engaged in this behavior too. So, look, it's just human behavior, okay? So, if it's human behavior, how did you walk out of it? Yeah. How did you walk out of whiteness? How did you walk out of white supremacy? I don't know. How can you prove to me that you see me as a human being? Right. I, you just have to accept it. If you don't accept it, then now you're being an oppressor to me. Take an implicit bias test. Mm. Prove to me that you can see that I feel pain. Right. And again, I don't want to do that. Because no. if I do that, then I got to admit to myself that I am a part of the problem and that it's my behavior that has to change. Yeah. And I don't, that risk means I don't have access to food, clothing, and shelter. Right. So you're Absolutely. asking me to commit suicide myself. That's if we go to Clapper, that's yeah. the mentality on Clapper. Absolutely. And you know, that's where, that's where actually the, I'm glad you brought that up. Cause for me, the space that I occupy, the people that listen to something the like my podcast or my content, are people who are already on the train of at least embracing that there is a disparity in some way, that there's a problem. I want to address that crowd right now in what you're saying. That that the people that we spend, you know, these holidays around this time of year with, those might be the Marjorie Taylor Green people that we come from, right? We we have a choice to either just be like, ah, it's fine. My mother literally yesterday before we had um like an italian kind of thanksgiving it was you know it's like we don't call it thanksgiving stuff anymore right but she read a prayer by william bradford that referred to he's the first governor of plymouth colony that referred to the indigenous people as savages and all this sorts of stuff. it just just terrible and i'm sitting there like wow like this is this is my family this is what i come from where this would be a thanksgiving prayer before we get to eat together that we're referring back to this person who invaded someone else's land and called them a savage yep a and so wow i mean the mental gymnastics it's wild <laughs> it's wild but that's that's fine that's the that group of people we have a different set of instructions if we have come to a place where we embrace systemic inequality of any kind. If we embrace the reality that we have internalized white supremacy culture, the question is what do we do with that knowledge? And your options are very simple. It's you're either for us or you're against us. You're either choosing to actively every single day um, divest yourself, with which looks like healing. It looks like... Yes. It, yes. You know, it, it looks like perpetually journaling, noticing all these things that you're teaching in homeroom and all these other things uh, through your content. If you're not actively doing that on a daily basis, you can't logically get your own self out of that. There's no way you can get your mother who prays William Bradford's prayer out of that too. You're just going to be inviting them into some weird nebulous nothing that doesn't get anything done. Correct. Correct. So then when you go to your manager and you succeed in getting the black person alone, you then have to stay with your manager to help that manager process their feelings so that when the next black person comes through, 
they get alone too. Because yes. after a while, the the white person starts psychologically in their subconscious, because that's where all the work is. It's what does it mean to be white in the white person's psychology? Okay. So when they see all these resources going to that which they don't see as human, yes, you have to constantly reframe it for them. We have increased our business. Mm. They're going to pay us back. In fact, there's a higher chance that they're going to pay us back than any white person is <laughs> going to pay us back because they're going to want access to another loan. Right. We're giving a pathway out. And then when the black people feel comfortable, the poor white people are going to come also. Yeah. We're going to benefit in the community and you're going to get your ego stroke as much as that hurts. Literally, because of the identity crisis that European Americans experience on their deconstruction, you have to give them a new identity that yeah. is pro-human rather than white supremacy. Yes. And that starts with you believing you're human yourself yes. because you can't lead somebody where you haven't been. No, you cannot. No, you cannot. I just wrote these words out, my friend. I wrote these words that I don't have any experience of oppression, occupation, persecution. I don't know anything about that. All I know is that I've been used as a body to perpetuate those things. And now if I can recognize that, then I can get to my humanity somehow. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And choose not to follow an evil order. Right. And then what you're going to find out is, like this Jewish American named James Zwerg, yeah, Z-W-E-R-G, that when you walk off of the Greyhound bus into the white mob and you are beat up, with your fellow college students from SNCC. When you're in the hospital with your fellow college students from SNCC, yep. when your picture is on the front page, the other white people can see you. Yeah. They can't see the black person. No. They can see you. And then in seeing you get beat up, they got beat up. Now they don't want to beat nobody up. Can we just not have violence? Mm. That's the first step. Yes. So then we don't have violence. Now we get to sit down. And then the black person is safe enough to tell you, this is my experience of you. You felt that way this whole time? Mm. Yes. I didn't know. Good. Now you start grieving. Yeah. Thank you. I need you to go over to this black, this, this space right here where you can implode rather than explode yeah what do you want to implode to implode into unity common unity what's the common unity the grief release yeah. but there's 15 other white people who are releasing the grief together you now have a shared bond why from a shared experience and the other white people haven't done that yeah so now you have an activity to do together where you go out and help the other white people when they have a racial moment and they have some racial stress, manage their racial stress. And I would like to recruit you, come to the center yeah. and grieve. Yeah. Oh, and then you know what I found out when I grieved? And then you share that because yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You share that. 
And then they find out, oh, there's a way out of this. Yes, without me being crushed. Yes. Right. Because Jim the word showed by getting his ass beat yeah. that he was not in alignment with those white people because he's getting beat up with the oppressed. Yeah. Okay. So now this, this is almost the last part. Here it goes. How did Siddhartha get accepted by the people as Buddha? He had to do what the people would do to get honor from the monks and do it in such a degree that the people figured out he had taken the royal power of violence and put it down. Mm. How? By turning it onto himself. Yeah. So while he's there under the tree with his ribs showing close to death, the baby comes and hands him, then we would cook. Old milk porridge, mm. of which I'll share with you, and saves the Buddha. Mm. So now, when the oppressed save you, yeah, okay, now you've been <laughs> redeemed. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. I hope this conversation inspired some new thoughts or questions within you. Until next time, peace, my friends. <laughs>